We are all in communication with people all around us. So as we walk out or as we're doing our job or as we're visiting with friends or whatever it might be, we're all in contact with humanity. So I think we have to think about we're all on the front lines. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, dear Lord, for your word that gives us truth, that there's no confusion about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And you've got it figured out, dear Lord, and it is a perfect plan. And we're thankful that you are a God who has got it worked out, that this is not a God who's in a grave that is um, someone we really don't know who it, who it is. This is a God who has revealed himself clearly to us. And whether we believe it or not, it is clarity. There is clarity in the Bible. There is a true vision in the Bible. And we come to that for your truth. Dear Lord, as we uh, speak this morning about this uh, particular opportunity, dear Lord, we just ask that the words that we're going to uh, speak are the words of the Spirit. And that there would be... uh, an impact in not only my life, but in other people's lives, so that they would catch a vision for going out. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Why do people go on mission trips? I mean, I think that there's probably a lot of different reasons, but I wrote down a couple, and you may have your own, but really, why do people go on mission trips? I would say that there is the very good reason, and that would be the desire to share the blessings of Jesus Christ to the lost. <coughs> Maybe because somebody shared it with us. So that is a very good reason, uh, a very powerful reason, a very biblical reason. Um, maybe, maybe just our desire to be obedient, obedient to the Lord's command to go out and preach the gospel to the lost. Another truth, another uh, powerful reason, good reason, very good reason. I wish I had those all the time. Maybe the third one could be a gnawing sense of duty. You know, as a, a warrior, as a soldier, I was never a soldier, but I would think that you had a duty that you have to perform You have to respond to the call, and there's a duty. Gird it up, let's get it going, and let's go out. I think that's okay. I think it's good. Uh, Gnawing sense of duty can kind of get you on the right track. I'm not sure if it's the best approach, but I think it could be a a good thing. How about the people that go out for adventure? For new experiences. I'm going to go to this country. I'm going to go to this place because I want something new and invigorating into my life. Nothing wrong with that. The Lord can use that. Uh, we know that there is many times that we're not prepared for what he is doing. Sometimes our eyes are closed, our ears are plugged up, and we don't hear and we don't see. But, you know, there's also something to be said for just going and being out there even if you're uh, approach may not be the best. And of course, then there's the maybe the guilt that some of us might feel that we've got so many bountiful blessings, that we've got so much, and they have so little. And it's a syndrome, I think, that we have been given so much, and they have so little, so I really need to share with them. That's good. 
that's that's still very good, but you know it can get kind of the social thing can get going and. Sometimes we miss the impact of what the real reason is, and that's the spiritual opportunity that the Lord gives us. Some people think about, I just need to live in their pain for a while. I need to live in the trenches. I need to be out there and, and get in the scorching sun and, and uh, be without food and be in very tough situations. You see, though, that's okay, but I, I don't... I don't think that's a good one. So whatever the reason is of of going on a mission trip, I'm going to suggest something that's really totally different. I'm going to suggest that there is a reason that I go on mission trips and that you may have a desire to go on mission trips for the same reason. And it may be a good reason to start out with, and maybe you'll come around to more biblical uh, and maybe higher motives as you decide to embrace going out. Now, we're not saying that you have to go to China or Cambodia or Haiti or any place like that because we know that our mission field is next door or down the street or wherever we are. But I'm going to suggest a selfishness concept. In other words, I'm going to suggest a new reason to go on a short-term mission trip, and that is that I'm selfish. I'm selfish because I want to be impacted by the living Lord. Uh, I don't know if I'd preach. I'm glad that there's only partial group today because I'm not sure if it's a good idea to preach this concept to a lot of people. You know, we were meeting in the middle school and uh, enjoying the, the space and all that. And uh, I think Mac and I had just been to Cuba and Bob said, why don't you come on up and give your five-minute spiel about Cuba and so we get up there and we did our little song and dance and afterwards we had a break and one of our members at our church came up to me, I won't mention any names, mm-hmm. and, he, and he said, oh, I didn't know you go on mission trips. And I said, yeah, yeah, we do. And he said, oh, that's, that's good. He said, I, I don't really get it though. I don't really get why people go on mission trips. You see, really, the people who live in the country should be preaching the gospel to their own people. I just listened. I said, yeah, okay, I like that. And he said, why do you go? I mean, unquestionably, this was a confrontation of two cultures coming together at one moment. And I'm sure that my great words at that moment convinced him unquestionably that what I'm going to say is going to be right. And I looked at him and I said, I kind of backed off and I said, I I go because I'm selfish. He said, what? I said, I go because I'm selfish. "What What do you mean selfish? And I said, I go because I want to be impacted by the living Lord. You see, because he is active, he is working, he is doing things every minute of every day. And if I am impacted, what a blessing. And yeah, maybe some of it can rub off to the other people. And he looked at me like I was from Mars or something and proceeded to walk off. I don't know if he's sitting out here today, but but it was an interesting conversation. 
the Lord is going to impact you. If you choose to be selfish and go out on a mission trip, and you choose to be open with your eyes and your ears to see and hear what he is doing, even if you do nothing except go out, then you will be changed. I mean, it's just, it just happens. Uh, maybe if you're in total sin and rebellion, maybe you can't, you can't see it, but he will impact you. You see, God must do a work on you before he can do a work on them. God must do a work on you before he can do a work on them. And if we don't realize that our lives are in wickedness because of our sins, and that we have been forgiven by a Savior who loves us, and we are unwilling to express that to other people, that we're really not broken, are we? In fact, we're kind of proud. I'm kind of proud and strutting because I'm a saved one. In reality, I am the scum. I'm the broken one because he has been willing to die for me. And if we realize that he was willing and is willing to die for one person, then we are impacted immediately. We are going to be broken. The truth of the, the truth, the truth, that's Carol checking on me. See if I've passed out yet. The truth is, is that we cannot be um, not impacted by the Lord if we are broken. If we go out in the haughtiness of the, of our own strength, if we go out with the, I am going to do something for Christ concept, we will be broken because he's going to got to do a work on us before he does a work on them. Now, I, I have shared, and I won't bore everybody, but I shared with you all some time ago, maybe not everybody, how the Lord changed me in order for me to kind of catch this vision, catch this fire, and I'll make it a short story. You can get the footnotes on that. The reality was is that I was willing to always, you know, talk to my employees or talk to my family about Jesus Christ, but really I, I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't want to talk to a bunch of people. I didn't want to go out. You know, if they came to me, great, I love it. And going with a good reason to, on a trip, I went to Russia to be with a pastor, an American pastor, and he was going to mentor me for 10 days. And uh, when I got there, he had a different he heard something from the Spirit that I hadn't heard, and he said, you want to go on a mission trip? And I said, well, I was coming to be with you. And he said, that's great, but do you want to go on a mission trip? And I said, well, what's a mission trip? And he said, you go out and you tell people about Jesus. And I said, well, I tell people about Jesus. And he says, well, that's great. Do you want to go on a mission trip? And I said, well, how long is it going to be? And he said, 10 days. And I said, oh, I'm going to be here 10 days. And I said, well, what do, we, what do we have to do? And he said, we just have to go out. We have to step out. Oh, oh, I don't like that. But anyway, we go and we travel and da-da-da, and we get over there to the, to the uh, hotel where they're showing up. And I walk onto the bus, and the engine was going, and, and I, the guy announced me. There was probably 15 people on the bus, and he said, do you have room for another missionary? I looked around. I didn't know what they were talking about. He said, do you have room for another missionary? And I said, uh, 
I said, hi, I'm, I'm Tim. And they said, sure, come on. And so the uh, bus started. We took off. And so that was God's uh, way of showing me that it's beyond you, Tim. It's not you doing something for me. It's for me showing you. Showing you what I'm going to do in your life. So it, it really kind of caught my, uh, got my attention. And uh, I sat down. You know, I didn't really know anybody. And uh, I said, uh, I said, well, hi, I'm Tim. And, and the, so the boss guy comes, sits down, and he says, uh, uh, Tim, do you, do you have a visa? And I said, uh, I said, well, I've got a MasterCard. I don't know if I've got a visa. And he said, no, 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 a visa for traveling. And I said, uh, fresh out of them. He said, well, just lay low when we go through the different checkpoints. I went, oh, good. That would be nice. <laughs> Next day, I'm out with a church member, translator, out in some field in Samara, knocking on a gate. You know, sheep and goats running around. Guy walks out about 80. And, uh, hi, I'm Tim. I'm from Texas. Of course, I translate. I didn't know Russian. And um, I've come to bring you a free gift. I had to think of what the free gift was. Uh, free gift uh, of eternal life. And so I proceeded. The spirit was moving and he proceeded to tell him the truths. And, I, and then at the end, I said, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? The guy was 80 years old. And he goes, yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I kind of thought I knew what that meant. And I said, well, let me, let me make sure he understands. I went through the whole thing again. Do you want to accept Jesus? And he says, yeah. And so it, it just blew me away that the Lord had to take me halfway around the world <coughs> and in my selfish approach to things, he was going to show me that he is bigger, that he is stronger, that he hasn't worked out as long as I just follow him. What's that all about? So my calling today is more than showing you some pictures about a mission trip. It's more than entertaining you about an adventure in a third world country. It's even more than just showing you uh, the impact of this particular trip at this particular time. There's a higher reason for this little thing that I'm going to show you. My calling is really to personally invite you into a walk with the Savior. You see, we all have a walk with the Savior, of course, if we're a believer in Jesus Christ. But the reality is, do we really have a walk with the Savior? In other words, do you really get to sense His presence? Do you really get to feel that He is moving in your life or this person's life? And you get to sit and watch and maybe even participate in this process. Can you imagine if you were able to do that? What that would look like? So my calling is to personally invite you into a walk with the Savior, to be where He is working, to be where He is healing, to be where He is impacting lives, to be the skin of Jesus to those who don't know Him, who have never been impacted by Him, 
who may say, Jesus who? Jesus what? You see, the only Jesus they know may have been at the end of an exclamation. And now we're going to show them that Jesus paid the price for all their wickedness, as he did for us. You see, do you see the privilege? The privilege is that we have heard it, we received it, we got it, and we took it. But they maybe didn't hear it. Definitely haven't received it. Maybe don't understand it. Maybe can't comprehend it. But the reality is they need it. Now, we know that there's going to be some rejection. And I'm not sure if there's anybody in this room that enjoys rejection. You see, I'm in sales, and so I'm used to being rejected. I ask people to give me their money for the product that I have, and sometimes they say, how dare you? The reality is, is that that's business, and I don't take it, I don't take it to heart. But there is something to be said for a personal involvement and somebody rejects you. Because really, when you think about it, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. They're rejecting the Savior because they don't want that. They want to wallow in their wickedness so they they don't need it. They're not rejecting you. You're a messenger. You've heard the saying, don't kill the messenger. Reality is that that's, that's really true. Just understand that when you are being obedient, he is opening the doors. When we're not obedient, we don't see it, we don't hear it, we don't, we're not involved in it. You see, it's not Haiti, it's not China, it's not Cambodia. It's stepping out in faith that what we're talking about. To go, that's the key. You got to go. Not that you have to go and get on the plane to go to Slobovia. You've got to go and say, I'm willing to step where the Savior stepped. Because he went out, left the kingdom and went out. And so we've got to step out. You see, we've got to step out in faith. Because it is a difficult arena if you try to step out in the flesh. Whether it's the food bank, whether it is the jail ministry, whether it's the abortion clinic, it's all the same. It's all the same. We are commanded to go. Now Matthew 28, 19 tells us, and I know you all are familiar with this one. Therefore, go it say go? It did say go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He said, it didn't say, therefore, think about it. Maybe committee meeting it. Maybe visit on the thought process. No, it says go. You see, go requires a step in a direction. If we're going to go to the store, we're going to have to take a step towards the door. And that's the reality of what the Lord is telling us. Therefore, go and make disciples. Mark 16, 15. Go, there's that word again, into all the world 
and preach the good news to the creation, to all creation. Don't just think about it. Don't just meet over it, but go. In other words, actually take a step. And when we go, where's our strength coming from? Is it coming from that gnawing sense of duty? Is it coming from the power source that we find within? No. The Holy Spirit is the only one that offers that. You see, He is the one that's giving you not only the urging, but He's giving you the desire and He's giving you the steps to walk. But we do have to take a volitional choice. If nothing else, after you've seen the pictures of Haiti, and I know a lot of y'all are familiar with Haiti, and maybe after you've enjoyed vicariously the adventure that we had, there's only one command left on the table, and that's to go. And I'm not suggesting that we're promoting Haiti or Mexico or China or Cambodia. We're not promoting anything but going because that's the command is to go. And yes, it requires faith. And yes, it requires money. And yes, it requires time. Those are three things that very, very few of us have. Time, faith, and money. Now, some of us might say, well, we've got, we've got the faith. We, we trust. and yeah. But I can't get the money together and I, have, I can't get the time together. But the reality is, is that your faith is lacking, brother, because there are people who want, who cannot go and want to go. So they're willing to embrace from a financial standpoint. That's how the body of Christ works. And there's the time issue, but how many years are we going to be on this earth? I don't know if I'm going to even make it home tonight. You see, the reality is that we don't know how much time we've got. So let's make the most of the time. And how much more powerful, how much more beautiful is seeing the Lord work? Rather than seeing our business grow and buying this and doing that. You see, he will provide. Because he wants you to see how he provides. He will provide. And he will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you. He'll be by your side in the protection of his loving arms. He's going to be there. He's promised. And he will remove the obstacles that inevitably will come up. He is a God who has split the Red Sea. He can remove the obstacles. He can do all this. Now, I've had the privilege of going on lots of trips. And the single reason I keep going back, the single reason that keeps driving me forward not only because I'm broken and I want to be close to the Savior, is that I have a front row seat in the biggest and greatest drama ever played out in history. And you say, Tim, that's a, that's a big statement. The biggest drama? I mean, come on. Red Sea, come on. Because I'm seeing Jesus work in people's lives. You see, I wasn't there when they when he split the Red Sea. 
And that would have been powerful. But it is more critical when I see a broken wife come to a broken husband. Or when I see a man come to Jesus in his tears and in his sinfulness. Or I see another person who is like this and like this and they come together under the love of Jesus. You see, he is constantly a God of reconciliation. He is constantly a God who is bringing people back together in his name. So I have a front row seat in the greatest drama, I believe, ever played out in history. is seeing Jesus at work in people's lives. It's not a touchy-feely kind of, ooh, I love it. It's not that. It's not a goosebumps, let's see. Oh, it's just like you get at the weddings. It's not a religious mountaintop experience that I'm going to, eventually I'm going to have to come down to reality. It's not that. It's not even the heart thankfulness of participating in God's work, which is great. It is bold face seeing Jesus working in people's lives. Now, we can all say that we have seen the Lord working in someone's life. And I can name many people that I've seen when I have confronted them with the truths and they have been broken and their lives were changed. I felt so small because he would use me to do such a big work. Unbelievable. It may have been the tears when a new believer has received a Bible as happened many times in Haiti. May have been when I saw the brokenness of a worker. It just broken in their sinfulness, knowing that, that he would use me in this great work. Maybe it's the love shared from one person to another that were broken and came back together. Maybe it's the thankfulness of another for receiving just the gems of life. What a sweet blessing. It is definitely seeing Jesus change lives. Seeing the hardcore broken under his powerful love. The powerful love of the Savior that is ever present, but we many times reject it. And if we allow that love to hit us, then we're going to be broken and then he can use us. Jesus changes lives. And whether you encounter him in the bowels of Calcutta or the slums of Delhi or the main street of Fredericksburg, it only matters that you are there. We must go. Because if we don't go, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the drama of seeing him work in somebody's life. And mostly you're going to see the drama of him working in your life. Now, we all know the parable of the ten virgins. And I'm going to give a little different twist on it. But the ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. But the reality was is that five missed the bridegroom. The bottom line, five missed the bridegroom. It wasn't that the bridegroom stopped. 
the five that were going to didn't have the oil, they visited and had some fellowship, and it was great. And, and then they went and got the oil, and they came back. No. No, they, they missed the whole thing. They missed the show. The feast. They missed the feast. And the reality comes down to, are we going to be present to the feast? Because the feast is there for us. But we've got to engage ourselves. We've got to go. Clearly, time is passing. History is being written every day. But we've got to step forward, make a decision, whether we're going to receive the anointing, and that's not a special ceremony, if we're going to receive the mantle of responsibility, which again is not a ceremony, but if we're going to embrace what he is willing to give us and his, his, his arms are ready to hand them to us because he's waiting for you to step forward. Until you take the step forward, does the anointing come? Now, when the word Haiti comes up, we can't help but to think of the devastation of the earthquake. In fact, most of us would think, Ugh, it's so dark. Well, yeah, all the people are dark, yeah. <laughs> but we think of the, the devastation. We saw the pictures of all the people dead and all the buildings down and the tent cities and everything like that. And, and we think of also the years of, of unrest and of problems that they've had. And, and we can't help but to realize that this is their history. But I'm going to suggest for you a new Haiti. And that is a Haiti that has bounded back. They've still got the scar tissue. They've still got the pain. They still have the difficulties. But they are desiring to pursue the Lord. The new Haiti, I believe, is turning to the Lord. And we'll take a look at some pictures. And first one is uh, part of the group. The, the fellow on the left is a pastor, and he goes with me, and he is uh, my translator. And this is Kenny, who is, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's a missionary. He goes over there, spends about two-thirds of his, of his year over in Haiti. The, the gentleman uh, in the middle on the right side, him and his wife, that is Lasad and his wife, and they are also kind of frontline people that help with all the trips. So that's the group. Some, uh, there's Ken Kennedy, second from the left, and there's your smiling Tim Bolton and variety of other people uh, that came from different parts. And just on the road to get to our spot, dealing with uh, locals, buying the food, preparing. This was a clinic that we were setting up, and you know that I, you know, I'm a very medicinal kind of guy so you know all this stuff made sense i was very participatory and you know getting the drugs all lined up and all that stuff and i think the only thing i did was i i came by and prayed with them and that was all i did on that part okay so this is where the clinic was doesn't look like much that was the original church on this property it's a compound and it's up in the mountains and you know we think of haiti as just barren there are some great areas, and this was uh, different than the last place we went, which was very barren. This was much more, a lot of foliage, a lot of mountains, rain, 
so this was the original church, and nobody can tell me how old it was. And this was the big church, and uh, it was built um, by a fella and his family, and they ministered there for many years, and just recently kind of took a little, little, took a little fall, so they had to sell it. And uh, a new group, new group ministry, bought it, and they let us use it. So this was the this was the nice church. This was a gentleman who had gotten involved in uh, I don't know what it's called a rah rah or what it is, but you know they have the festivals and a lot of partying and a lot of beer bottles getting thrown. And he got uh, got one caught in his uh, somebody slashed his ear. I guess they didn't like him, and so we were he was pulling out the um, the, the stitches, kind of a painful little thing, okay? Maybe it was putting stitches in. Uh, this is the setting where we were, and they, we're, we had uh, toads for breakfast. I think that's a delicious thought. I heard of frog legs, but fro- toad legs, I don't know. But anyway, that, that's something that we did. And there, oh, there's the preacher. Telling the people about Jesus. And all these guys, they were loving it, and they had already accepted Christ, but that was, it was a good practice. <laughs> okay. So there's our group with a whole bunch of beautiful, beautiful God's children. And uh, we're now out in the mountains going and visiting different houses. We actually spent the day uh, in the clinic with, from about 8 till Four-ish, and we'd see about 400 people a day. And they would come in in groups of about 100. And we would, we'll see in a minute here, we'll, we'd preach the gospel to them. We'd give them tracts. We'd give them their little uh, dewormer pills. And then they go through the process of getting you know, checked over. So uh, this was afterwards, after one of the days that we worked. Just the beauty of the landscape. Not the usual Haiti. And there's the poverty area. Just kind of open. And this, was, this is the kind of standard. There's lots of people who live in the mountains like this. And doctors and helping the people. It was a very busy, busy place. Lots of pain. A lot of difficulties. Um, oh. That's the best part. All those sweet little babies, they were great. All had a big smile on their face. You know, I mean, just think about how many of them don't have any parents because of the earthquake and, you know, are just living on the edge of poverty. But they're all sweet. They all know the truths. And uh, they love the Lord. And they're young and youthful. More visiting with people. There's our uh, our pastor up there and translator. So he's translating some uh, things for him. Go ahead. And this were these definitely were orphans, and they were in a uh, this lady. I think she was hired to take care of this group. So there was like six kids, and it was just a feeding. She was responsible for feeding them uh, three three meals a day because they just were. They were all over the map. So this was the group that is kind of ready to go into the compound, to go into the church, to get seen. 
Ah. <laughs> this is a sweet one. Okay, there we are. We're telling them about Jesus. And uh, translator is, is giving them the truth. Some people are paying attention. Some people aren't. But they all heard it. Many accepted. Lord only knows. Okay. So a lady came up in a big wash tub and had two brand new babies in the wash tub. And we, we didn't know because she was carrying this wash tub on her head. And so she, we didn't know what was in the wash tub. I thought it was maybe fruits or vegetables or something like that. She puts it down and uncovers these two. Okay, so uh, Ken's heart is really in this kind of thing, helping people get water, getting their lives back together from a physical nature. So they built this uh, system whereby the uh, catches the water off the roof, goes into the big thing, and they can purify it, in some cases drink it, in some cases use it for bathing and other purposes. There they are doing their uh, kind of Bible study that we had for them, very diligent, okay? So one lady we heard that was up in the mountains and hadn't uh, been able to come. She'd fallen into the fire. She's probably early 50s and just really, really, really badly burned her leg. She's lying there. And uh, there, there we are. We picked her up. We had to figure out how do we get her down from the mountains. So I said, let's just take the door off of the hut so we took the door off the hut, put her on that, and now they're trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. So they put it on their on her head to carry her. So there she is coming down from the mountain uh, in her pain. She's gonna we're gonna take her to the hospital. This was just a, a visual treat of uh, a friend of ours has a ministry over there to um, challenged children and hadn't gotten totally off the ground, but she's got some buildings that she's erected and it's right on the water. Is that it? Okay. So we've got um, a lot of beautiful things that happen in Haiti, a lot of beautiful people that we've met. Um, The truth is when they heard the truths and they received the truths, that was wonderful. But in addition to that is seeing the thankfulness in their hearts for receiving a Bible or for uh, somebody helping them at the clinic. You see, each person on the trip that you saw had to do something, just like the body of Christ works. We all do things. And we choose to be involved in the Lord's work or we choose to not be involved. In this particular case, each of those people chose to be involved. But they had to step out. They had to go and make that choice. And that's what I'm encouraging you all to do. We've got to step out and trust the Lord for safety. We've got to trust him for finances. We've got to trust him for daily provisions. And I believe it's time to step out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for these opportunities that you give us. We're thankful that, dear Lord, that you would... Um, have a plan that we can participate in. We're thankful, Lord, that you would think about us and that you would think about using us, your created ones. What a privilege that is. And to think also, dear Lord, that you have 
impacted us in a way that desires, that we desire to go out. But because of things that go on in our life, we sometimes make other choices. So, dear Lord, I just ask that for those that you draw to these kinds of opportunities, that you would open up their hearts, open up their minds to see the bigger field. The bigger field, which is a field that is ripe, dear Lord, for many people to know about Jesus and to comfort them in the love of Jesus. So we're thankful for that in your perfect name. Amen.